0: It was a trick question because according to Jewish law, he probably didn't break any law. Now, now maybe you're thinking he bore false witness because he made that promise to Jesus, hey, no matter what happens, I'll, I'll stick with you. And uh, Jesus gives him that prophecy that comes true with just uh, within a few hours. So, uh, he, but false witness, bearing false witness, really has more to do with a courtroom scene when you're asked to give testimony and, and you take an oath. So when you think about it, it's not that Peter broke a law, but Peter broke a promise. And um, that, that would mean that Peter's not really a lawbreaker. He's not totally bad, just like we aren't totally bad. But we would hate to think that we're corrupt inside and outside. And in this series of why church, one of the reasons why people don't like church is really somewhat like that. Here are some things I've heard in my life. Hey, I'm already down on myself. Why do I need to go to church? Someone else will tell me why I should be down on myself. I actually heard this one. Church is where someone explains the sin of the weak. Or how about this one? Every time I go to church, I discover sins I never knew about. So it's not like we're here to invent new ones or we're trying to explain them all the time. But we want you to understand that uh, you know there's a difference between feeling guilty about something and actually being guilty you understand that sometimes I feel guilty for all the wrong things instead of feeling guilty for the right things but guilt really has to do with um with legal terms it has to do with law so we can be objectively guilty and and admit it and not feel guilty about it we can feel guilty about things that we're not objectively guilty about uh then you might use uh if you're able to sort of say, okay, this, this is a legal status and I do break the law from time to time and I do admit it, then you're open to be hearing about a, a provision, a, a guilt remedy that really only God can provide. We use a word in church that you don't hear in most other places. It's sort of reserved for us. Uh, you might hear it used in different ways, but it really is reserved for us. So if people are asking, and if you're asking this morning, why church? One answer is because that is the place and those are the people that talk about God's grace. At church, with God's people, grace is claimed. Grace is explained. Grace is retained by the people. And so understanding that every Christ follower is a real piece of work. Then we understand that every Christ follower is also a receiver of God's grace because we are law breakers. And more than that, we're to be a demonstrator or be a living demonstration of it. So why church? Because there's grace for my guilt at church. We talk a lot about, you know, this is not the place for perfect people. Come as you are. We are not perfect either. And it's just not that we are going to explain stories to you about grace, or explain it in five different categories, but we like to look at a portrait of grace. We like to think of grace as some, some fact that God says, I want to show it to you so clearly that you won't miss it. And so let me read from John chapter 1, because the way God shows us his grace is through his son Jesus. I'm in John chapter one, beginning at verse 14. It says the word or Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the father full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. And from the fullness of his grace, We have all received one blessing after another, for the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God the one and only who was at the Father's side has made him known, meaning God's son Jesus has made God known to us. And if we're wondering, what is God like? The answer is, well, why don't you try looking at Jesus? There you see in a human form. In our culture, grace is pretty much a foreign concept. Most of our lives, we are rewarded or punished according to our performance. What do I mean by that? Well, we would say performance is a fair way to reward or to punish people. So, uh, people who are... Uh, poorly rewarded, or wrongly punished, we call that injustice. And when someone is, uh you might say, overly rewarded or gets special treatment, then w- we say that's favoritism. Or Or let's look at politics. Let's say you're on the left. This is your left. That's my left. This is your left, right? So if you're a, a liberal, we love you. If you're a conservative, we love you too. But if you're a liberal, you'll say, you know, the problem with the world is the rich just get richer and the poor get poorer. So what we need to do is punish the rich. That's the fair thing to do. Or if you're on the right, you would say, no, the problem is not with the rich. The problem was with too big and too powerful of a government. And so what we need to do is every time there's a scandal... And we've had a few, haven't we? Okay? Doesn't matter which administration, government is filled with people and people do bad things. So they would say, what we need to do is lessen the control of government and take those scandalous starters and let's punish them. Heads should roll. They should be fired. That's how we deal in our world today. Uh, then along comes Jesus. And no matter what side you're on, Jesus makes everybody squirm. What do I say by squirm? We squirm because uh, his his truth is truer than we can handle, and his grace is greater than we can imagine. It, it's like this vase in front of me. I wanted to fill it uh, totally full, so you could say this vase is filled with water, H2O. And uh, I couldn't because... It would drip out and whatever. But I realize that it is filled with water. Now imagine that this is the content of Jesus' life. What is filled with water by sight, if you imagine that this is Jesus' life, then it is filled with truth and grace. Jesus is filled with truth and grace. So I take this turkey baster and I pull some out. And when I pull it out, what do I pull out? If it's Jesus, I pull out truth and grace. Why? He's full of it. And he's full of nothing else. So if Jesus is filled with truth and grace, everything I pull out of him has to do with those two characters. Oh, I wanted to get you so bad. There we go. It's a new one, so I haven't learned it's, it's digital, you know. So I haven't learned how to use it yet. Uh, And and therefore, when, when I am one who's walking around and living, as I say, as a follower of Jesus, what do I want to show? I want to show more of Jesus. I want to make sure that I am showing grace, and I want to make sure I am showing his truth. What do we talk about when we talk about this word grace? When John wrote about it, he was thinking of the old Hebrew word, which means steadfast love. What it means is no matter what happens, it is in God's very nature to continue to love us. He cannot stop loving us. It's impossible. That is what he meant by grace, his steadfast love. Well, what about truth? When John was talking about truth as a Hebrew, he was thinking of the word that that deals with consistent truth. Truth that always comes from God. And so it includes truth that goes way beyond uh, the material world and beyond science. And because Jesus comes and he's full of grace and truth, as we look at him, we know more of what God is like. His grace means that there's no limits to the strength and longevity of his love. His truth means that in Jesus there's no deceit, there's no compromise of character, There is no imperfection. And His Father in heaven is the same. God is morally and factually perfect. His grace and His truth, you add those two together and what you get is the wonderful term perfect goodness or goodness which refers to His glory. And Jesus' glory is like the Father except in Jesus we get a chance to see it. We get flesh around it. It has skin. So you add grace and truth together, and that is exactly what Jesus is full of. And it means that we have to call him good, just like the Father is good. Well, I don't like the bad things that happen in the world. I don't like the bad things that happen to me. That does not eliminate that God is purely good. Jesus speaks the truth to those who believe they are so perfect and so self-sufficient that Jesus has to speak to them the truth about themselves. They think they're perfect, but they're not. And Jesus speaks grace to those who think they are so worthless and, 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 and so needy and so helpless in life. So if we want life to be the life that God has designed for us to live, then it comes best by understanding that Jesus comes with this idea of full of, uh, full of truth, full of grace. And we hold on to that. Now, we read a lot of self-help books, business books, uh, physical activity books, uh, organizing books, things like that. And they're of some value. But the Jesus help, different from the self-help, leads to conquering in our lives the truth about us and leads to goodness. And so it says this, from the fullness of his grace, we have all received one blessing after another. Uh, What it's getting at is uh, to be better at Jesus' grace, we need to become a Jesus student or a Jesus follower and to watch the master live it. And we do that. We also need to be aware of the grace that we can receive. You know, this uh, translation maybe ought to be just switched a little bit. I, I use the NIV. is probably still the, among the most readable Bibles out there. And I've used it for over 30 years. It's a very good Bible. But occasionally you look at a passage and you go back to the original language. And you realize it doesn't really say that. It says, from his fullness we have all received grace plus grace. And one reading is grace... uh uh, and uh, how do I, grace after grace, or grace upon grace. But the real word between the first grace and the second grace is the word anti. And one of the best ways to translate that is that we get grace instead of grace. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Grace is a funny word, isn't it? It's a real hard one to understand. And you gotta, you got to understand the whole work of God through all of Scripture. And you go back to the Old Testament, and you have to realize that as God blesses His people in the Old Testament and the New Testament, sometimes, I mean, it's the same God, but sometimes it looks a little different the way He blesses them. One of the ways He blessed His people in the Old Testament was through His law. Jesus gave the law and that was the blessing of the time, the grace of the time. Now we're living in an idea where, where you know, it's not that the, uh, uh, the the old grace was sort of like a informing us of what God wanted from us. The new grace is transforming us so that we can live it. The previous display of grace, God was teaching us and as he taught us, we understood our need. You go back to the Ten Commandments uh, in the Law of Moses. Four deal with your relationship with God, and they're all don'ts. and and, um, and and the other six deal with your relationship with other people. The first one is honor your father and mother. Well, we know that as we read these, as we memorize these, as we work on these, that we fall short. This is God teaching us that this is not enough grace. This is a grace that is informing us, but not transforming us. The new grace, grace instead of grace, that is coming to us, we understand in verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, a form of God's grace. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Moses gave his law. You might think it is still true today, and it is. But, God, through Jesus, does not operate in the same way. You read the law, Exodus through Deuteronomy, and it shows us the perfection of God. And it also shows us that we are less than perfect. When it shows us the perfection and the holiness of God, God says several times, you shall be holy as I am holy. You shall be perfect as I am perfect. And we go, you know, I gave up perfection a long time ago. It just didn't work. But the idea was God saying to us, this is what you're heading for. This is what you are going to get. And yet we realized we never got there. God gives to all those who place their trust in Jesus Christ this new relationship with him that they didn't have before. The transforming grace that we're talking about happens in our world one human at a time. The old human race is dead. The new human race is happening one at a time. Now, the old one is not destroyed, but it's transformed as people put their trust in Jesus. So... God gives to all of us through that relationship with him this grace that transforms our very being. And so instead of being perfect, he gives us his son's perfection. And if Jesus is full of grace and truth, like we saw, and you pull anything out of him and that's what you get. So when we get things from Jesus, we are getting more grace and more truth. Let me put it this way. Uh... Have you ever heard the phrase, the truth hurts? It always, no, it doesn't always hurt, but it, often it does. Saying that you, uh, uh tomorrow in the mail, you get a letter from your auto insurer. The auto insurer sends, you know, it's got your name on it. You open it up. You think they're just asking for another credit card. But you open it up and you're reading it. And it says, um, our records show that this last year, you and your wife and your two teenage children have this driving record. There were um, three speeding tickets, two red lights that you got a ticket for, one parking violation, and one DUI, and you call yourself a Christian. Because of this terrible record, we have no choice but to discontinue your coverage. That's the truth. And the truth not only hurts our feelings, the truth really hurts. It hurts us objectively. So you're looking at this and you go, well, yeah, yeah, I guess they're all true. I mean, we did get all those tickets. And to be honest with you, I should have got a lot more. But so you look around and if you can get any other auto insurance, it'll be at least triple. So you realize you're doomed to commuting on a bicycle or riding the bus. And, and and so you, you call your old insurer and you ask for an appointment. And you explain very carefully each violation. You know, that second red light was actually yellow. Well, that's not why you got the ticket. Well, yeah, but it was so close. That DUI, I, I don't know how that happened because I really don't drink that much. And the speeding ticket, well, I was passing somebody. You know, so I had to be going fast. Uh, and he just happened to have the radar g- gun on me when I was passing somebody. And so you explain it, but the insurance agent looks at you and says, you know, your whole family has a bad driving gene. It just seems like none of you can really drive well. And so your performance proves that you need help. Well, you, you then you begin to plead. You, you know, you've said it, it wasn't all that bad. She says it was. Well, then you say, well, look, um, I'll try harder. Just keep me on your program. No, can't do that. I'll take the, all the classes. Well, yes, you need to take the classes, but we're still not going to cover you. Oh, uh, I've got this much money on me. Would this make any difference? Because sometimes bribes help. After all, you are an insurance adjuster, aren't you? And, and and this agent looks at you and she says, look, there's not a thing I can do. I cannot change your record. Uh, you cannot uh, buy a good record, driving record, and you cannot lie your way into a good driving record You can only perform your way into a good driving record. And then the agent looks into you and says, but I think there's one thing I can do. You go, really? What? Well, she says, I have a perfect record. Not one ticket, not one parking violation, not one fender bender, not even something that I did and didn't report and fix myself so it wouldn't go on my insurance record. And, and, and she says, not only that, but I'm really a good driver. I have never broken the speed limit. Uh, and when I leave a parking meter, I put extra money in when I leave so the next person has a few free minutes. You look at her and your jaw drops. Because as far as the law and the insurance company are concerned, her driving record is perfect. More than that, she's never had an infraction. And even what she does in secret doesn't break the law. And so she says, I have a proposition for you. You go, really? What is it? And she says, I'll trade your record for mine. I'll give you my record and I will take your record. Well, why would you do that? And the answer is just very simple. I sort of like you. Now that's what we do humanly. I sort of like you. God says, I'm wild about you. My steadfast love, I cannot stop loving you. I have to keep loving you. And so I'm going to offer a trade. And you accept. Now friends, we understand that grace is so rare in our world that when I share this story with you, you know it's fantasy. It is fantasy on the earth, but it's not fantasy with God. God and his son, who are full of grace and truth, do this for us. And He they do it through his son, Jesus Christ. As far as the law is concerned, Jesus was perfect before men and before the Father in heaven. The Father in heaven knew everything about his secret life, and he was spotless. There was no sin in him. Nobody ever observed him falling short of the perfection standard. And because he's full of grace and truth, he gives us his righteousness on us, and we place on him our unrighteousness, those legal things that we are guilty of. So then who displays grace? It's Jesus, because it says this, No one has ever seen God, in verse 18, but God the one and only who was at the Father's side, He has made Him known. Jesus, because He's full of both, when He walks on the planet, nobody displays God better. It is truth, it is grace. And that's the truth. Full of grace and truth. Well, it is not because of your great performance, It is because God has shown us what perfect performance is. And he places that reputation, that that performance of Jesus upon us. And when Jesus leaves this earth and sends his Holy Spirit. And tells us to be filled with his truth and grace in the spirit. Then we find ourselves applying grace to the guilt of others. How many of you are managers and have had to fire somebody at some time from... Okay, tough, isn't it? And some of you are saying, no, it's quite easy. No, It's tough. <laughs> Unlike the insurance agent, I never liked that person anyway. No, it's tough. You have to go and say, you know, um, you said you had all these qualifications. We gave you the job, and you don't have them. Or uh, you lied about your past record. You never got that degree. Or we went under your Facebook page and we saw what you're really like. Or you have missed so many mornings at work and you call and say it's bad traffic, you had to see the doctor. And and we've checked on it and each time it's just not true. When this happens poor performance or lied about ours or things like that, we call that firing for cause. Not because you're downsizing, but there's a cause. You have lied, you have broken your word or something like that. The truth is, because we're talking about truth and grace, you can't do this work. And I have to do the right thing for the sake of the company's integrity. On a more personal side, many of you have been parents. And you realize that from time to time, as wonderful and as saintly as your children are, that sometimes they have to be disciplined. And so you, as parents, are the ones who apply the discipline. And when you apply that discipline, oh yes, sometimes it hurts, but you know you have to do it. Why? Because they have fallen short of the standard That you wanted them to have. Truth tells us we really blow it. Truth according to the rules. Tells us we have broken those rules. So therefore. Not only do we fall short of God's standards in our lives. But we fall short of our measly standards on our own. You know if you go to a counselor. They're saying you're suffering from cognitive dissonance. If you go uh, to uh, a movie star, because I once heard this, I have some inner conflicts I'm dealing with. Uh, some would call it inconsistencies. I'm conflicted. Or small hypocrisies. God uses not four-syllable words, but a one-syllable word, sin. And we are all guilty when it comes to the law. Now, grace is not only about the law... But this morning it is, when it comes to the law, we are all guilty and just call it what it is, sin. And you first need to be a receiver of grace because before you can be a giver of grace. You tell God that you are both hopelessly and willfully less than you want to be. You agree that you can't do it on your own. You need his gift of grace. And only his gift of grace can make you right with him. What happens is there is an exchange. There is a trade that goes on. Jesus in his perfection places it upon you. And you and your imperfection place it upon him. That is what the cross accomplished. And as you as you make that exchange, as you do that trade, God then says, you are transformed. I have transformed you. I have given you a new position. I now look upon you as I look upon Jesus himself, as one who has never sinned. Wow. That is a transformation that only God himself can ever pull off. Only God can ever do it. He forgives. He declares you perfect even though you continue to fail. And once we've done that, we understand we have to continue to search for ways, not just to be a receiver of grace, but a dispenser of grace. At work, in the family, in the neighborhood, we look for ways to give to others what they do not deserve. The child you have to discipline is one you hold and hold until the tears stop. Because... Your unfailing love will not stop. You will hold that child in love until the tears and the sobbing and the shaking stops. The liar that you had to fire, the person who could not perform, yes, you've had to fire. You've terminated them. But grace says you also try to help them. And just saying you're fired does not do much help. That is because we are filled with both truth and grace. Truth comes easy. Grace comes from following someone who shows it all his life, all the time. And that's Jesus. And friends, that's all that we're asking. If you believe that this is true, that Jesus is filled with both truth and grace, that you especially understand without his grace... You're toast. You don't have a hope. Unless God transforms who you are before him. You will never be good enough. We're about to take communion. And and as we do, I just want to say, communion is a way not just to remember Christ, but to remember what he did on the cross for us. And we invite you. You do not have to be a a, a member of this church or have come three times or gone through a class. We, We don't do that. But we ask you to be certain that you are aware that Jesus' truth and grace has come into your life and that by his grace, your sins are forgiven. God looks at you as one who is now perfect before him totally forgiven, now righteous. And, and because of that, you say, I'm coming now to take his bread, which is his body, which is broken for us, to drink his cup, which is his blood, for the forgiveness of our sins. And as I do that, I'm doing it as a, you might say, a demonstration that I'm a receiver of his grace and I remember him. Let's pray. Almighty God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what a marvelous God you are. You just don't tell us, you show us. You just don't explain it. You make it known through a human being who lived here, right among us. Right now, we thank you that you have given us this this wonderful memorable experience. Even though we may take it often, each time we come back, we focus on what you have done for us. Your son's life was not taken. He gave it away so that we could be transformed and be called legally perfect before you. Oh, we know we fail, Lord. But we take this remembering that no matter how much we fail, you sort of like us. You love us with a constant love you cannot stop. And we take this now in remembrance of you. And God's people said, amen.